Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show, where we talk quality of healthcare and explore what that actually means. Let's dig into performance measurements, the equipped platform, pharmacy goals, and personal goals. We will also occasionally cover topical healthcare news and maybe throw into the conversation a few of our own nerdy passions and hobbies. So turn us up. The Quality Corner Show starts now. Hello, Quality Corner Show listeners. This is your host, Nick Dorich, and we welcome you to the next episode of the Quality Corner Show. We are now a couple of weeks into the 2020 year, and I am sure that many of you are already seeing plenty of articles, social media posts, and other content about setting a clear vision in 2020. For today's episode, we are not fully embracing that 2020 pun, uh, but we did want to take a different look at things for today's show. Today, I am inviting another member of the PQS team. A couple weeks ago, we introduced you to Amanda, and we talked about how she spends more time communicating with pharmacists digitally than anyone else on our team. For today's show, I wanted to bring on our staff member that spends the most time talking with pharmacists in person. You'll probably see him on the road during lots of pharmacy trade shows in 2020, and uh, maybe you've already had the pleasure uh, to meet him in person. His name is Zach Renfro. Zach, welcome to the Quality Corner Show. Thanks, Nick. I'm really excited to be here today. Great. And Zach, I'm excited for our discussion. Uh, we're, gonna, we're going to talk a, a bit about quality and how it applies to the oath of the pharmacist. Um, it's for that reason that we have you here today. Uh, you've got a bit of unique background as a pharmacist. Do you mind providing us some insight into your past roles and, and also your dedication to the pharmacy profession? Of course. So I have been working in community pharmacy since I was 16 years old. I started as a technician at a community pharmacy and then throughout pharmacy school, I continued working in various pharmacy settings as an intern. Uh, After graduation, uh, I completed an executive residency in association management and health policy with the Tennessee Pharmacists Association. So once that was completed, I had the pleasure of working as a community pharmacy account specialist with GlaxoSmithKline. And that was focused on helping community pharmacies better educate their patients uh, to improve adherence for different disease states. From there, it was a natural fit for me to join the PQS team back in 2015. And I currently serve as the senior manager of quality and technology with PQS. On a professional level, I was very active in pharmacy organizations as a student pharmacist and have continued to remain active in state and national pharmacy organizations, as well as my pharmacy fraternity after graduation. I mentor student pharmacists, especially those regarding those that are interested in non-traditional career paths, and will be joining the Tennessee Pharmacists Association's board of directors this summer as the chair of the Tennessee Society of Pharmacists. That's a lot of information there, Zach, as far as your background, and uh, uh, certainly was part of uh, our interest in having you on for, for today. So I know I really appreciate your perspective on pharmacy and how pharmacists improve uh, patient care. So with that, let's dive into our conversation today. And uh, many, if not all, if our, of our listeners will be familiar with the format for the show where we usually introduce our topic, and then we discuss three key points um, about that topic. Uh, So for today, we're going to talk about the oath of the pharmacist, and that's something that every pharmacist probably recites a couple of times in their career, Um, but for many of us, that probably the last time we did it was when we graduated from pharmacy school. 
So let's start with a little bit of a refresher on what is contained in the Oath of the Pharmacist. Um, Zach, do you mind giving us a read of that? Sure thing. I promise to devote myself to a lifetime of service to others through the profession of pharmacy. In fulfilling this vow, I will consider the welfare of humanity and the relief of suffering my primary concerns. I will apply my knowledge, experience, skills to the best of my ability to assure optimal outcomes for my patients. I will respect and protect all personal and health information entrusted to me. I will accept the lifelong obligation to improve my professional knowledge and competence. I will hold myself and my colleagues to the highest principles for our profession's moral, ethical, and legal conduct. I will embrace and advocate changes that improve patient care. I will utilize knowledge, skills, experiences, and values to prepare the next generation of pharmacists. I take these vows voluntarily with the full realization of the responsibility with which I am entrusted by the public. All right, Zach. So we're going to dive right into this now. And um, our show is dedicated to quality measures and quality improvement in healthcare, but particularly focusing on pharmacy. So um, how does the oath of the pharmacist apply to principles of quality improvement in healthcare? This one's a little bit of a different topic than what we discussed, but uh, as we thought about what we need to talk about with our listeners, this was something that was um, that we thought was pretty essential to the role of the pharmacist. So do you mind expanding upon that a little bit and, and why the oath of the pharmacist should be applying to principles of quality improvement? Yeah. So the oath of the pharmacist is something that is really important to the profession of pharmacy. Uh, we are a trusted healthcare professional um, and and are that way because of our beliefs and our oath to serve patients. When I read the parts of the oath regarding using knowledge, experience, and skills to assure optimal outcomes for patients, that just, um, that, that just makes me think of quality improvement. I mean, we are using the things that we uh, are learning in school and outside of school to improve the patients' lives we serve. So we're always striving to improve the lives of patients, but you can't really know where you need to improve without having something to measure in the first place. So it's all about um, having a baseline of where you wanna go, and then from there, determining on best ways of how to get to where you need to be at. Yeah, so there's a couple of key parts there, Zach, that I really like, and, and as I think about, they're pretty quintessential for this conversation. Um, first part here being, we're talking about serving patients, proving patient outcomes, um, which is certainly the intent for all healthcare. So we've got clear alignment there. Um, we're talking about, in the oath of the pharmacist, using knowledge. And, and if we, we may be the smartest people uh, that, that are out there, but if we're not able to apply that to our patients to help them improve, our, improve their care, we're really missing the mark. And, and, and finally, the other part that you mentioned, you know, learning in school and learning in practice. Uh, I know from that part of it, it's definitely a very different approach. And when people do get into the, uh, the practice, once they actually are a pharmacist, um, you're working with patients, you're doing hands-on uh, on activities, you're working through um, billing 
intricacies and and in customer service. There's a number of different things that are there, but it does come back to as well that um, there's going to be new medication. There's going to be new services that are going to be available, and the pharmacists need to learn and understand these parts of it. So inherently, that education is going to be something that needs to continue to be worked at. Um, so with that, I, we're going to kind of go into our, our second uh, question, and it ties into that part specifically. So some of the specific bullet points that I had pulled out in looking at the oath of the pharmacist, um, one of the lines, it talks about applying our knowledge, skills, and experience. So to me, that sounds like it is absolutely a call for quality improvement. Um, and specifically, if I look at um, quality improvement uh, principles as listed by AHRQ, one of the items that's talked about in there is um, updates to systems and processes for, for quality improvement. So um, let's put this into a little bit, that's a little bit of theory discussion. Let's talk about this in a tangible way. So from your perspective, how can a pharmacist consider quality improvement with their patient care services um, based on considerations for the other pharmacist, based on uh, principles for quality improvement? What are some things that pharmacists can really be doing and thinking about to have some, uh, to have some performance improvement? Sure. So one thing comes to mind right away, uh, as I mentioned, or as I alluded to a little bit earlier, if you continue to do the same thing over and over, you're going to get the same results. So in order to truly consider quality improvement within patient care, you need to be able to take a step back and map out the process of providing that patient care and also determining what care is provided and how it's provided. So uh, one of the actually one of the things that does come to mind when it comes to the, the quality improvement principle of systems, uh, even though we are talking about theory, we can make it into more of a layman's terms and just talk about the two main main components of what we really need to measure that a pharmacy is doing. So number one, what's being done, or what care is being provided, and number two, how is it done, or uh, and who's delivering it. So if we can really think about it in terms of a patient coming in and we are providing a service such as uh, adherence counseling, uh, what's being done? Are we are you covering all the pertinent topics for that medication whenever the patient comes in about their adherence, uh, about when it comes to adherence for a certain disease state, whether that be diabetes or hypercholesterol or whatever it may be? Uh, what's being done? Uh, and uh, once you think about that, how is it being done? What's, what's the message that's being portrayed? So taking that step back to realize that you may respond to a patient and provide information one specific way, and you, you'll probably get the same result in most situations. You've got to be willing to be flexible, and you've got to be able to have the patient's best interest in mind when it comes to improving their care to have the optimal outcomes. Yeah, so Zach, I think looking at um, looking at that topic and something that comes to mind for me is how we're sharing, how we're discussing um, these sort of items. So, um, you know, while going through and doing it, it's an important part. Um, what can pharmacists do to to share this message? It's it's it's. I think that's an important part of it as well. If we're doing you know new services or new ways to help improve patient care, um, you know. How important is it for pharmacists to talk with their other practitioners um, about things that have been successful? I know this is something that's a little bit off topic, but um, I, I think it's something that we need to think about kind of collectively as a group and would appreciate uh, your considerations on this. 
Absolutely. So that, that comes to advocacy in all sense of the word, either advocacy being um, what we're talking about when it comes to legislation. But in this instance, it's really about advocating for the value that pharmacists can provide the healthcare team uh, when it comes to helping with chronic diseases, especially in the community pharmacy setting. Uh, if community pharmacies aren't sharing all the good work that they're doing and sharing it in a way that it actually makes sense for the other providers and speaking their language as opposed to us using pharmacy specific jargon, it's not really gonna get the end result that we're looking for. What really makes a bigger impact is if we can, as a team, work together to say, okay, what are the pain points for other provider groups, such as physicians, uh, nurse practitioners, and so on, um, what are the, their pain points and where can pharmacy fit that, fill that gap, fit that need that they have to improve patient care, um, reduce burnout from other providers too. I mean, they may be having a lot of other requirements and other things that they're being held responsible for, but they truly can't impact as well as a pharmacist and the pharmacy team. So just figuring out how to have that conversation in a way that um, can really drive improvement is critical. Uh, one of the things that I see all the time on social media is how much pharmacists talk about how good they are and how many, how many good things that they're doing. And that's awesome. But if they don't share that with that outside, and unless they share that outside of their circle, it's going to be really tough to, to really get any traction with that. Pharmacists do a really good job of patting themselves on the back with other pharmacists, but it's really about getting the word out to other practitioners and to patients to really try to drive outcomes, not just within the pharmacy per se, but just within the healthcare system overall. Yeah. And I'll say Zach, that um, your response went um, not in a different direction. That's not the, the right way I was going to phrase it here, but um, you went further down the road and in providing a description there than I was expecting or than I was hoping for. So that's a lot of really great context. And, and to me, that's something where um, it is absolutely true. Um, we've talked about this on podcasts before where uh, lessons learned very early in pharmacy school. If it's not documented, it never happened. And that's certainly something that we're seeing as there's a lot of opportunities for pharmacists to expand their scope of practice. Um, but there are definitely some barriers that relate to expanded scope of practice, pharmacists being recognized uh, for these additional services and ways to improve patient care. I was actually doing some CE the other night while watching, uh, watching a football game about this very topic. And uh, it's, it's an item where it takes a lot of effort to get there. And um, it's not an easy item, but in order for us as a pharmacy profession to get to that better, that stable place where pharmacists are fully recognized, for the patient care services that, 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 that they provide. We gotta make sure that we're doing the work, that we're advocating in the right way. Um, just like you said, that's, that's not um, just from a political standpoint, um, although that I would say is part of it, but also just with other professionals and with other patients. So great response there. All right, Zach, we're gonna get to today's final question for today's topic. And frankly, we could go on and on about how quality improvement ties into elements of the oath of the pharmacist. Uh, and I'll take a quote, another quote from the Oath of the Pharmacist. I will embrace and advocate changes that improve patient care. So, Zach, what I want to get here is some of your uh, suggestions, personal, professional recommendations 
on clinical services or improvement strategies that pharmacists, pharmacists should be considering with their teams. Um, we don't have to look very far to see trade shows, education materials, and other suggestions about what pharmacists should be doing uh, and, and things that they should be considering. Um, but if you're given advice, if you're given a recommendation to someone that's open, opening a new pharmacy, what's your top one or two suggestions for them? Absolutely, Nick. There, there are a bevy of different options out there. As you mentioned, especially if you're going to, if you're an independent pharmacist and you have a trade show that you can go to with your wholesaler or your PSAO, there are so many topics, but a couple of things come to mind for me, especially with the marketplace that we're in now compared to even five years ago. Number one, medication synchronization is one of the good tools in a toolbox. I, I, I definitely said toolbox because you need to have multiple tools in order to be successful and one size doesn't fit all. But MedSync has, if it's done appropriately, and especially done as part of the appointment-based model type of medication synchronization, that can really show some really good improvement for lots of different uh, measures that are out there that are impacting patients. The other thing to think about with that is it also can improve workflow that allows pharmacists and their teams to really focus on a lot more of these clinical services. So in terms of clinical services, I mean, obviously immunizations are key, but the next thing to keep in mind, and if I was opening an, an independent pharmacy, one of the first things I'd want to do is build a good relationship with the providers that would be servicing most of the patients in my town. Because there's so many opportunities for collaboration and do, uh, helping providers with, when it comes to other types of services, such as chronic care management, uh, disease state education, and so on. Things that aren't necessarily tied to filling a prescription, but really help pharmacists practice at the top of their license and really take care of patients on a much larger scale. So those are really the two things that stand out to me as like the first couple of things that I recommend to folks that are opening an independent pharmacy. Yeah, Zach, appreciate that with the context. And, and I would say the part where relationships with providers, those certainly matter. Um, we do see a lot in the pharmacy sphere um, with groups talking about the importance of the face-to-face -face pharmacist to patient relationship. Uh, but then at the same time, when we talk about engaging with providers, uh, we don't really talk enough about how the importance of maintaining and having a relationship there is important. Uh, so that you can be working together collaboratively to improve patient care. Um, you know, it, it's the kind of thing where if you're just providing recommendations or requests to a prescriber and it's just a fax or just a request for a refill, something like that, um, that, that may technically be a relationship, but is that something where they're going to know you understand your clinical expertise um, and that they're going to understand your approach to taking care of patients? Probably not. So it, it is definitely important to consider how we expand on those personal relationships. So, um, Zach, it's, uh, we're, we're getting close here to the end of our show, and I want to say uh, thank you very much for, for joining with the podcast for today. Um, and and uh, usually we like to end our conversation with one thought or question and have our guests provide some information that is a little bit different than our main topic of uh, discussion. Um, so my question for you today um, 
technology and pharmacy. You already referenced some elements of technology um, in, the, in, your, in your talking points uh, so far, um, but wanted to get your thoughts, technology and pharmacy, friend or foe, neither. Um, is it something where it really depends on how it's utilization from the, the pharmacy? So wanted to get your initial reaction and uh, if you're able to tie it into our main topic of the oath of the pharmacist, you'll be able to get bonus points for that. <laughs> That's a great question, Nick. I, um, with my title literally saying Senior Manager of Quality and Technology, I have to admit that I'm going to say that uh, I believe that technology can really play a critical role in improving uh, patient care. It can really improve pharmacies if done appropriately. Uh, it just depends on not relying on it too much. Uh, it's kind of a kind of a happy medium because you have to make sure that you still get to the heart of the conversation uh, with the patients. You can't just rely on it solely, but uh, it really should allow you to um, get to the point where you're able to take your knowledge, experience, and skills of a pharmacist, and it'll enhance that opportunity to improving the optimal outcomes of patients. So that, there's a bullet straight from uh, the oath of a pharmacist. I, I feel like that technology should be our friend um, when it comes to really driving outcomes for patients because frankly, there's so many things, uh, so many, um, so many nuts. If we were, if we were squirrels, there's so many nuts out there for us that when it comes to what we're really trying to get at in terms of helping patients. And if we don't, if we don't get some focus, some direction, then you're going to focus on everything and not really accomplish anything. So, Technology can really help us prioritize. It can help us um, optimize the way we go about improving patient care. Yeah, that's a unique and I would say uh, a more appropriate word here. It's a, it's a nuanced approach, right? Where technology, it can be utilized in the right way, whether it's in our professional work life. I think we all see that um, when it comes to our, each and every one of us for personal life. I'm sure that we see many uh, of those same or similar effects where technology it can be good. Um, when applied correctly and with the right amount uh, of, of, of focus and pressure that's there. So it's an important consideration, um, not just for the pharmacist, um, but also for the patient and how we're working uh, to improve their care. So Zach, I think you've given us uh, plenty to think about today and uh, I appreciate your participation for today's show. Um, we'll look forward to having you make a return uh, on the Quality Corner Show at some point in the near future. But with that, we're going to wrap up this episode for our listening audience. So uh, for our audience, our team here at Pharmacy Quality Solutions has a couple of favors to ask of you, our podcast listener. First, we encourage you to share this podcast with two friends. Because if you share this with two friends and each of them shares with two friends, it really helps us hit a larger listening audience. Second, we also want to take a moment to remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you may find it. And then if you have any questions or topics you would like us to address, please contact us. The best way to do so is to email info at pharmacyquality.com. Let us know what is on your mind and what we can address so that you are fully informed. Our goal is to continuously improve our podcast content and to provide meaningful information to our listeners based on current topics in healthcare, technology, and quality measurement. 
We want to help you become as effective as possible in how you care for patients and improve public health outcomes. So until next time, we wish you well.